0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Rain City Bunker. Um, It's been a while. Um, I'm Andy Brown. I'm hosting with Greg Moon. Hello, audience. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, (laughs) we've been off for quite a while. How how long has it been, Greg? Uh, Late October. We did a podcast right before Halloween. And uh, I actually had a friend who's a listener, and she called and said, um, hey, did you guys have a falling out? What happened? Are you each going to do your own podcast or something? And I said, no, no, no. We've just been super busy. Uh, Greg's been particularly busy. Um, You've you gone on a trip or two, right, Greg? Yeah, well,
1: uh, my, uh, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. My contract finished in August. Then I took a trip to California, then Illinois. And then we are back for our podcast and then I went to Hawaii. I'm wasting all my money. Uh, had a good time in Hawaii for a week. Uh, just Oahu, uh, Waikiki, the kind of touristy area. But it was fun, and it was nice to get a little sun, and it was beautiful as usual. And I had a good time. You didn't, found like a, you didn't find a cursed idol like Peter Brady? I was looking, but I, I couldn't find one. Oh, dang.
0: I mean, we'd have something more to talk about. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so we're not going to do an interview this time around. We're just going to chat about a few things that we... We've seen in the news and on the internet and everything that we thought was was interesting. Let's see and also catch you up on what we've been doing. So you went on your trip, and then we had the holidays. and uh,
1: um, Yeah, and there's that, that neat tradition, Andy. Uh, my folks invite you over, and uh, we have uh, Christmas Eve at their apartment. And then we go to the Buckaroo Tavern in Fremont, which is a biker tavern. So it's kind of <laughs> interesting that uh, – yeah, you know, we go there with my 70-something parents and a bunch of my uh my brother stepbrothers and and friends like Andy. Yep. And uh, that was fun. Did, that was your second oh, time doing second it. second time.
0: Andy. Yeah, uh last time uh, I had uh holiday plans that were pretty much wiped out by the uh, snowstorm that we had and uh your family very uh generously invited me along to uh participate in your family tradition and it was great. It was a lot of fun. You I I really enjoy your family. I think they're great people. Ah, thank you. Um and then let's see, we, ha- we had the holidays, you had good holidays, right? New oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Wonderful holidays, and then New Year's.
0: New Year's, we went over to uh, Jackie, who is the woman that I'm dating. Um, Which
1: is good for us, because that'll put to rest, hopefully, some of the gay rumors.
0: <laughs> yes, I have a girlfriend, so <laughs> Greg's working on it. So, yeah, uh, so
1: I guess the rumors still might be abounding about me, but <laughs> Andy's safe for now. Well, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but...
0: uh. uh so yeah, we we went over for New Year's over there, and it was that was a lot of fun as well. It was kind of a small uh, New Year's, but um,
1: excellent food. Boy, it was uh, really tasty, and uh, we could see the fireworks from uh, the Space Needle. From it was an
0: uncharacteristically over. clear night too, as well. It, a lot of times it's foggy on New Year's. I've noticed.
1: Yeah, so that was a fun. So that's our excuse for not putting together a podcast. We've been busy, <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're also a little lazy. So laziness has to. You know, take some credit too. <laughs> but we're glad to be back. It's been so. What's that? November, December. So about three months. Over three months. So yeah. way below our two once a two week uh, goal we said at the beginning. But <laughs> and, and did, luckily someone did ask about it, so that was cool. Someone yeah. asked, "Hey, what what's the hold up? Are you guys you know not getting along?" I think
0: didn't you know, one of your friends also
1: asked what? Yeah, you know, uh, we were uh, my friend Jason, the the professional artist who did our uh, logo, he was asking about it too. So So we have a couple fans out there. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's see if we can get some that aren't family and friends. (laughs) Um,
1: So, Greg, we wanted to catch up on at least uh, one story. Yeah, quick follow-up. You may have noticed the world hasn't ceased to exist. And what I'm referring to is uh, the uh, Haldron Collider, the Hadron Collider in Europe. Uh, Andy and I talked about it, I think, Episode seven or eight, about uh, this collider, they were hitting all these weird problems. They couldn't get it fired up. Seemingly coincidental problems. Yes, and really kind of odd circumstances. And there's this theory that because of the nature of what they're doing with fundamental particles, that uh, for some reason, <laughs> you know, it, kind of a bizarre topic, but for some reason, like, fate was conspiring to prevent it from firing up. But uh, it fired up. And it set a record uh, for the highest uh, energy particle accelerator ever, uh, 1.18 tera electron volts, I believe is the it's TEV. So it set a record. It's running. The world did not cease to exist. So a uh, little follow-up. That takes a little of the mystery away, but uh, bravo for science. It's They're looking for all kinds of interesting <laughs> Fundamental particles. And hooray for the world not ending. Yeah, well, that's good, too, but we, we may not have even noticed if that had happened. It might have happened really fast. So. But anyway, so just a quick follow-up on that. Uh, that was kind of interesting. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see where, where that goes. They're shutting it down here um, early end of 2010. They're going to shut it down, and they're going to try to amp it up for a whole other level of energy, a higher energy level. So they're, they're doing it kind of in steps, getting it rolling. So
0: we've also noticed that a very popular part of our podcast, (laughs) uh, which is almost accidental because I don't even think we really ever intended this. But a lot of people like the monsters and the cryptozoology and the weird um, animals that we've kind of run across in different stories on the Internet and so forth. And we're going to now call that the Creature Feature. And Greg, you've got something.
1: Yeah, this was kind of unusual, and uh, we didn't really dig too far into this. So, uh, you know, the criticism—I'm sure there's a lot of criticism for this story—but uh, uh, this is what we ran into, and it's kind of funny.
0: What, what did we determine the source of it? Too is it Pravda? Is it pravda? <laughs> yes.
1: And Andy was pointing out we had coffee to talk about the podcast, and Andy pointed out that Pravda has evolved from a totalitarian uh, spokes piece. Uh,
0: arm propaganda, propaganda arm propaganda for the arm Soviet
1: Union to a National Enquirer esque kind of popular <laughs> what, what, uh, goofy topic. And I
0: don't know. Do you know at what point? I mean, what's 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 the first point before we get into the story? Like, what, do you remember when that happened? Because like all of a sudden, I remember seeing like some sort of article that would be that you would see like in the National Enquirer, and it all and it was from Pravda, and
1: I was like, wait a minute, isn't this? Um, well, the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, right? So at that point, Pravda. I, mean, I don't know if they're still the mouthpiece for the Communist Party, but at you know, market forces took over, and they had to do something, and there's you know, so they probably changed their focus from <laughs> propagandist mouthpiece to uh, more general interest. <laughs>
0: and this sort of story that Greg is
1: going to yeah, talk about, yeah, and this is a really unusual story, and we'll we'll post the link as usual. And uh, this happened in Turkey. I'll read just a bit of this. Um, <laughs> a sheep gave birth to a dead lamb with a human-like face. The calf was born in a village not far from the city of Izmir, Turkey. Earthen Elibol, a vet, performed caesarean section on the animal to take the calf out, but was horrified to see that the features on the calf's snout bore a striking resemblance to a human face. I've seen mutations with cows and sheep before. I've seen a one-eyed calf, a two-headed calf, five-legged calf. But when I, was, but when I saw this youngster, I could not believe my eyes. His mother could not deliver him, so I had to help the animal, the 29-year-old veterinarian said. The lamb's head had human features on it, eyes, nose, and mouth, and only the ears were those of a sheep. Veterinarians say that the rare mutation was most likely occurred as a result of improper nutrition, since the fodder for the lamb's mother was abundant with vitamin A. CNNTurk.com reports um so that's that's the gist of the story and looking at the picture i'm not sure if you had a chance to look at it much i did I did. I did a little bit yeah and i i quickly when you know i like to get the links all set up before we do the podcast and i did find a link of a blog who was very critical of this thing and he he basically said it looks like it's like a, and it does look like a almost like a plastic or uh some other material kind of a translucent material mask and but it's funny. I mean, Pravda. I don't know how reputable if they really are. Kind of like the National Enquirer, or maybe better analogy, Weekly World News. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it looked awfully strange. And first, when I first saw it, I said, "That's no way." Yeah. That was my first gut reaction. Yeah. That, no way. But you know, um, and we should check into what the CNNTurk.com is. I don't know if that's a subsidiary of CNN. Yeah, because they are. Be. CNN is very. Mainstream,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, anyways, as you know, we, you know, Greg and I search the lengths and depths of the internet to find, uh, you know, stories of this sort to entertain you. Yeah.
1: So we'll have the <laughs> link. Take a look. Uh, you know, comment on the blog. Tell us what you think it is. So that's. Um,
0: it. And in kind of more scientific news, uh, recently uh, I, I become kind of fascinated with the these. Um, Clever uh, uh, uses or, or clever employment of, of technology, medical technology, to solve problems. And there's two that kind of stuck out in my mind um, over the last few months that, that I've read about. Um, where I thought, boy, that's a, just a really clever uh, way to solve a problem. Um, and the f- first one that I want to talk about is the uh, is a way to com- combat addiction. Uh, drug addiction. And I would have never thought of this, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll read a little bit from the article, but i also kind of explain it as I understand it. Uh, basically, what they do... Well, here, I'll, I'll read from the article. Um, cocaine has such a powerful addictive effect on the brain that its users often struggle through a disheartening loop of rehabilitation and relapse. A treatment developed by Baylor College of Medicine psychiatrist Tom Coston could soon help users break that cycle. Costen recently completed his first placebo-controlled clinical trial for a cocaine addiction vaccine. Uh, the vaccine, which temporarily blocks the effects of the drug, consists of a cocaine molecule attached to the surface of an inactive cholera toxin protein after receiving the injection, the body generates antibodies that respond to the cholera protein and the cocaine. If cocaine subsequently enters the bloodstream, the antibodies bind to it and neutralize it before it can reach the brain to cause the release of the neurotransmitter dopamine, uh, the process that makes the user feel high. So basically they've, they've taken this cholera protein and attached um, uh, the cocaine molecule to it. And they can do this with other drugs, they believe. Um, and what that does is it makes basically your body immune uh, to cocaine or, or it prevents it from – the body from processing it and giving you the high. Uh, so in this trial um, going back to the article now, which was in Discover Magazine, by the way. Uh, in his trial, Costin found that 50% of cocaine users had a cocaine-free urine when tested tested eight to 16, 16 weeks after vaccination compared with 35% of those who received a placebo shot. Um, and they go on to uh, talk in this, uh, this article that, um, you know, one thing that <coughs> cocaine users or drug users, they might switch to, if, you know, once they are immune to the effects of cocaine, his concern, Costin's concern was that they might go to another drug And it says here, to check whether vaccinated users were turning to other drugs instead, Kostin tested subjects for methamphetamine, the preferred cocaine alternative. That's like the most common drug that they go to if they can't get cocaine, but found no evidence of use. Um, In addition to the cocaine treatment, Kostin is developing vaccines against heroin, nicotine, and methamphetamine. Uh, He has shown in animal tests that treatments targeting those drugs can also produce high levels of antibodies against the addictive compounds. So it could be used in other ways. And I mean, what, I mean, how did this guy come up with this idea? I mean, we've all known about vaccines for a while, uh, you know, where you get the bodies, antibodies to fight against, uh, you know, a, 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 a you know, a germ, uh, by exposing them to, you know, a dead, uh, or, or reduced, uh, <laughs> reduced capacity germ that your body can fight against. And then you have the antibodies and it can defeat that. And I'm like, what – I mean, what a great combination of ideas you know, to use the antibodies of the body to fight against –
1: Yeah, that is very clever. Yeah. Uh, Andy, you you said it makes them uh, immune to the effect of the cocaine. Right. So if they take cocaine, they still can't get any effects. So they will stop using it. Right. But – Pardon me. Will it take any um, withdrawal effects away?
0: You know, it doesn't – say that it does i i should say that it, it does say um costan is working to increase the va- vaccine's antibody generation uh additionally the vaccine's protection seems to last for only about two months so you'd have to get like a booster shot okay it doesn't say i was kind of wondering that as well i i, I would assume you probably undergo the effects of withdrawal um so, you know, that, that's, you know, just one of those things about addiction that, you know, somebody's going to have to go through.
1: Yeah. And, um, and I think they have other treatments for getting over the uh, – dealing with the effects of the withdrawal. Right, right. But, hey, but that's good because they can't go back, basically, if they have this uh, immunization. They, they try cocaine. They get no effect from it. So no point in trying it. They're, they're just stuck with their withdrawal, right. which hopefully, you know, there's other therapies to deal with the withdrawal. But so that that sounds like it's very effective and they aren't going to these other drugs.
0: Um well about 50% of them it says in the in the uh, Oh, 50% are going yeah.
1: to other drugs.
0: Uh, oh, you mean to you, use other drugs. Uh, well, I think it doesn't it doesn't specify how many if it sounds like none of the 50% that that were cocaine free tested for these other drugs okay. as well. Oh, okay. good. So it seems to be for that 50% which is I mean, it made about
1: half the people it works. Yeah,
0: about half the people it works. So um, there's that. And then another, um, pardon me, I'm coughing here. Another um, uh, uh, piece of medical technology that I thought was just extremely clever is this thing, and it's got a horrible name, but this thing called the lung flute. And it's uh, produced by this company called Medical Acoustics. And I will read a little bit of an – where did you find this article, by the way, Greg? Um, Was this the Popular Science article? Yes, yes. Okay. I I, I read about this in Popular Science, and Greg has found a uh, posting by uh, Popular Science, and we'll have that link as well. Um, The article states, the nearly 10 million Americans who suffer from chronic Obstructive pulmonary disease, rely on medications and strenuous coughing to help break up the thick gobs of mucus clogging their lungs. Sorry, this does get a little, a little, graphic. little get, <laughs> gets a little gross, but the lung flute does the job with just 15 to 20 puffs of air. Um, blowing into the reed instrument sends a steady 16 Hertz vibration into a user's chest dislodging mucus in the lungs so that it's easier to cough up. Uh, scheduled to receive FDA approval this fall, the flute also serves as an easy method for collecting deep lung sputum for tuberculosis tests, especially useful in developing countries where TB is prevalent. Um, I read the article and i 'm going to go on a little bit of memory here uh, to to further detail it, uh, but I think this is fairly accurate so the guy who developed this he 's an acoustical engineer, and he was he was sitting around with some friends and they were talking they were kind of joking actually about. The various effects of acoustics on the human body, and they were talking about the infamous brown note. Which do you know about that, Greg? No. <laughs> the brown note is—I don't know if it really works. I think MythBusters, the TV show MythBusters, took this on. But the brown note is supposedly <laughs> a frequency that will loosen your bowels. Oh. <laughs> so um, to put it nicely, they're
1: talking about uh, non-lethal warfare for that. Uh, or maybe, or, and, or control, just riot and urban legend. It's urban also legend.
0: the source of urban legend. Uh, but he started thinking, like, what other what other ways could um, you know, in a medically uh, beneficial way, could you use acoustics? And he started thinking about you know, uh, you know, people who have emphysema and asthma and so forth. A, a lot of what uh, causes the inability to breathe is that you have the mucus and you can't clear it out of your lungs, and the and that
1: can lead to death in some cases. Yeah,
0: it can lead to death, um, and that. Uh, he started thinking the the what is, is it the cilia the 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 hair like fiber uh-huh. the hair like um, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: cells yeah. in your lungs that that help move you know mucus and so forth up But they they vibrate at a certain fre- frequency so if he could just come up with that frequency uh, which he did that he could develop a way to help people move that mucus up out of their lungs and at first he used. Uh, you know, machines that would produce this tone, but they were large and everything. And then he he came up with the idea. He's like, I could just make a basically almost like a musical instrument with a reed in it. And if you go to our link, you'll see the um, a picture of the device. It's very simple. And, it looks
1: like a saxophone or something. Yeah, a yeah, it just looks, looks like saxophone a saxophone or wind. It actually looks wind instrument.
0: To me, doesn't it? Doesn't it to you, Greg? To me, it actually looks like a, a toy flute. That it looks you would bigger get. though
1: isn't it bigger like a foot it's a little or so long. it's a little
0: bigger but it's made out of plastic stuff and it has a reed so when you blow into it, which doesn't take very much um breath power, this reed vibrates at sixteen hertz, which produces the same effect that all these machines that he had does and it and it brings up and it breaks up the globs breaks up the, the globs mucus. which you know can help people breathe that have asthma or emphysema, and also like it says help uh doctors t- it's it's already being used in doctors' offices to collect um the uh, sputum. and uh, I think it's already been approved by the FB, FDA. Yeah, I
1: think they said that in the article.
0: Um, so yeah, I, I that just you know I just thought that was such a great, clever way to do it. And how much did you read? How much it costs? How much does it cost, Greg? Oh,
1: was uh, it like forty hundred dollars? Under a hundred dollars? It's like
0: forty dollars. Yeah, very. Affordable. Now imagine that. I mean, you know, people you know who have problems with asthma and so forth. Imagine that you could. Get this thing that I would assume is reusable for 40 bucks.
1: Now, Andy, can you think of another application where we use sonic <sighs> uh, power or yes. technique to break? I think they use it to break up well, kidney stones. Kidney
0: sometimes. stones, yep. Yep, they use ultrasound to break up kidney stones. Uh, and, of course, there's the ultrasound to examine the and body. that's more but, like a radar thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're not trying to break up the baby, usually. No, no. But <laughs> I, I do think, I
0: mean, there's been some interesting, I'd have to dig a little bit more, but um, with... Like el- electronic medicine. Uh, I know there's a guy who's working on uh, busting up tumors with uh, pulses of electricity. Oh, wow. I think we might have even talked about that at one point. <clears throat> and I don't know of any other sonic things. Like- now, I do know that the military is working on sonic weapons. They have some sonic non- weapons. The non lethal weapons sonic I was weapons, talking yeah. about. Yeah.
1: So, to repel rioters or. or- Big groups of people. Yeah.
0: And that's a whole... That, we could do a whole show on that kind and of thing. being
1: a good tricky, I'm sure you remember... I think it was the early episodes of the original series. They used to take sonic showers. Right, right, remember right. I, th- I think I only mentioned it in one or two episodes. Yeah. But they mentioned a sonic shower. and the, So it's the same idea. I yeah. Mean, it's sonic power breaking up particles. Yeah, yeah. Clumps of particles.
0: Yeah. And we aren't... Haven't they developed... Now, I'm just going completely off. We have our list of notes to talk about stuff. And I'm going to go off... Uh, I'm going to go off the range here a little bit. But uh, I seem to remember that they're developing uh, washers, uh, clothes washers now that use sonic. So they're going to use less water. Oh, well, and I they, haven't heard about that. Yeah, maybe I'll dig into that as well. But it uses like sonic uh, technology to clean your clothes. And and they use like these plastic beads. Oh. And the plastic beads get vibrated and, and clean the clothes. And but then, they still
1: use water, don't they?
0: Uh, no, I don't, or very little. Okay, and then I think when it spins out, the plastic beads—they're reusable. They go to the you know they go to the outside of the the dryer and then or excuse me the washer, and then the next time you use it, they come back in and, yeah. and wash your clothes. So
1: you know the last really quick aside too, you know my grandmothers, both of them were born in 1898, <laughs> so like you know just 110 years ago or so. Just think the way the technology changed in their lives is astounding. You know airplanes in 1903. Uh, telephones became popular in the 20s. Electric lights probably around early 1900s, and uh, and just recently, it just really seems like you know with computers and cell phones and uh, copier technology, things are progressing even <laughs> at a really inter- really fast clip. So I, you know, it seems like we really do live in interesting times. That all these technologies are being developed very quickly, yeah, and things are happening really fast. <laughs> I'm you know, the Sonic thing just, you know, I guess Sonic, this idea has been around for a while, but it sounds like it's starting to come into its own. Yeah. And this is, but this thing could have been developed 100 years ago. I mean, this is a, a very basic uh, device, right, Andy? I mean, it's just like a flute. Yeah. I mean, I don't, someone could have made this 100 years ago.
0: Well, you know, this it's, device, anyway. What's interesting is, like, uh, I wonder how they determined. Um, that the lung the cilia and the lungs vibrate at, at this certain frequency though that might that be, might be more of a modern yeah, science thing. maybe
1: these computer models yeah. to figure that out but that's good news because it sounds like it could save lives and if not and, you know probably save lives but also make people's lives easier if you're suffering from one of these yeah. maladies
0: and i'll tell you actually from, from a personal standpoint i have i have allergy related asthma and I'm going to see if I can get my hands. I don't know if I will be able to, but I'm going to see if I can get my hands on one of these things. And if I get a chance to use it, I'll, I'll definitely – I'll do a report on it.
1: <laughs> Field testing.
0: <laughs> so talking about the world changing and people accepting change and so forth, uh, I actually just kind of hit Greg with this right before we did the podcast. And i am I'm curious to see – I'd love to hear what other people think. I've been asking other people about this as well. Um, but I'd love to hear what uh, other people have to say about this. I have become kind of fascinated by the idea of lab-grown meat. (laughs) Um, And it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. In other words, you're you're not using an animal. You're not uh, butchering an animal to get the meat from them. You're taking meat cells from an animal, or cells from an animal, and growing them into meat.
1: Uh, It's almost, it's not really cloning, but... it's kind of like when you cut a uh, branch off a tree, and you can plant the branch and it grows into its own tree. It's kind of that, somewhat similar to that, right? <laughs> you're taking meat cells and you're culturing it and yep, exactly making it grow. And there's a lot of there's it's it's a very com there
0: you know it's complex. The the obstacle there are some obstacles to get past to do this. In other words, like how do you get the cells into a framework that resembles the texture and so forth of meat? And uh, you know, we we dug up an article. It's kind of an old article. It's from 2008, right? You said, Greg. Yeah,
1: May. So it's about a year and a half old, maybe almost two years old.
0: And uh, <clears throat> it's from NPR, right? Is this uh-huh. the? And I apologize. To I could probably use one of those lung flutes right now. I keep uh, clearing my throat. <laughs> um, here, I'm going to do a good cough and get it out of the way. I'll, I'll turn off my mic. So.
1: There we go. Um, And the bunker isn't exactly (laughs) dust-free. And I've been coughing a little bit, too. So the bunker is really uh, an old basement. uh, There's some cobwebs that I tried to clean out the other night and dust. So, (laughs) you know.
0: So, uh, but this was interesting. This I didn't know. And this is in the article. I'm not going to read the whole article because it's mostly just, like, opinion. uh, And uh, apparently... Uh, as I quote from the article, but the concept has had some famous proponents, including Winston Churchill in 1932, in his 1932 essay, 50 Years Hence. Quote, we shall, I'm not going to try to do a Winston Churchill impression. We shall escape the absurdity of growing a whole chicken in order to eat the breast or wing by growing these parts separately under a suitable medium. So, uh, you know, Churchill, Churchill and me, we're both on board for (laughs) this. Um, Uh, Let's see. Let's get to a little bit of the tech. Um, Vladimir Mironov, a biologist at the Medical University of South Carolina, is among a handful of scientists culturing culturing meat from animal tissue. Sorry about that. His work involves turning formless, textureless patches of the stuff into mass-produced form, like meat sheets. (laughs) They're going (laughs) to have to come up with some better terminology. uh, Or what one might affectionately call (laughs) schmeat. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, I when Andy brought that up, my my visceral reaction was kind of ugh. It just it's I mean it sounds really strange to me. And I you know I I I bet I'm more in the majority than Andy. I bet most people kind of cringe at this idea. I think you're right. Actually, it will take yeah. a lo- I mean assuming they perfect the technology, which it sounds like they're kind of on the way. I think it'll still take some some time for people to get used to the idea.
0: Yeah, and see that that is strange to me because. You know, and, and this is not an accusation, but, um, you know, I, I've, I've been talking to a lot of people about this and I've been talking to vegetarians and, and asking them why they're vegetarians and there's a variety, you know, there's, well, it's basically boils down to three reasons that people give for being a vegetarian. Uh, and they either have all three or one or the other, um, you know, some people do it for health reasons because they believe eating meat is not, is not healthy and that, you know, that can be debated of course. Um. And then some people do it for, uh, you know, uh, animal cruelty reasons. And then, and then uh, one thing I never thought about that's, that's been brought – that somebody brought up is sustainability. Um, in other words, that, you know, farms uh, – the, these farms that, you know, for example, cattle, ranches and so forth,
1: they just take up so many resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of water, cow. I forget the number, but it's like a hundred gallons a day for, per cow. Right, it's right. It's some large number. I don't yeah. know exactly that number.
0: And what <clears throat> what I think is uh, uh, an aspect of the lab grown meat is it kind of takes on all three of those things. One is you're not you're not butchering uh, an animal, you're not killing an animal to to get the meat. You would be growing it, you know, from from the cells. So there's no animal dying from that, and then. Uh, it, the health reasons is we now with with beef, cattle are injected because they're you know they're herd animals and and they're kept in close proximity that they're they are given an, a load of antibiotics. Yeah, Just, and they don't
1: want disease breaking out and killing their herd. Right, herds so, are very valuable.
0: And and so there's all these antibiotics. All, there are all these hormones uh, in a lab grown meat. You don't need to have antibiotics because there you can you can keep all this the mm-hmm. the, the the meat basically uh, in a pristine condition. You, you can you can control the how the meat grows once they get this process down. Now, there's
1: probably hormones involved, though.
0: Um, you remember? I you know the details. I once again, uh, I don't think it requires the same as bringing up an animal
1: mm-hmm. to to produce that kind of meat. But I'm not sure because it's a laboratory environment. I imagine right. they have to do some yeah yeah uh, special techniques to make it yeah. grow in a. In a, yeah. on a plate on a dish or whatever yeah, yeah. it is.
0: But I think you, I think the idea is they'd have a little bit more control over that. And uh, one of the things that uh, in one of the articles that I read that was brought up is is you could control the fat content of the meat, so you could have extremely lean, nearly zero fat meat. Yeah. Um, so I imagine they can grow all kinds of different meats, like yep. chicken or pork, chicken, or, chicken, or beef. fish. Now think about this too. One of the things that we've heard about is uh, is how much contamination. Uh, you know, the fish has, um, like tuna. Yeah, they
1: bioaccumulate mercury, for right.
0: example. Right. And if you were let to lab grow the fish meat, it would not have those toxins yeah. in it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then now let's talk about the sustainability thing. Y- y- you don't need huge fields and all of the resources that, like, for example, cattle take up or pigs or or chickens. Chickens probably not so much, but – well, poultry farms, I guess they do take up a lot. Yeah.
1: But you probably need a big, uh, warehouse factory like yeah. building, but, but you could probably put several stories in it right. and you know, farmland, obviously you could have right. one story, Yeah. <laughs> but if you had a big warehouse thing, you could have eight or nine stories yeah. and, uh. It'll use energy, I yeah. mean, but probably no more, I wouldn't imagine, than growing well, and animals. And now think,
0: think about the waste. I'm, yes, there will, would be waste in lab-grown lab grown meat or factory-grown meat, if you want to put it that way. But it wouldn't compare to the waste that is in current, um, you know, current a, uh, yeah. animal production.
1: And for the record, neither Andy nor I are vegetarians. No, yeah, neither of us <laughs> are
0: vegetarians. You know, but I, I, I'm fully, I mean, as long as it was proven to be safe, which I think it would be, um, I'm fully on board for this. I would I would try it. I would definitely yeah. try it. Well, that's a different... Yeah.
1: Well, so I suppose vegetarians uh, would be on board too if, if yeah. like you said, the reasons you signed. Well,
0: and, and that brings me to my next point is uh, PETA, uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, recently announced... I'm once again going to the NPR uh, article. Recently announced a $1 million contest to create commercially viable chicken meat, sacrificing neither chicken nor egg. The deadline is 2012. The contest rules Herculean and the prize money paltry. <laughs> Pardon the pun. But the thinking is, pragma- is pragmatic. If people must have meat and factory farming is an animal nightmare, why not find a high-tech alternative? Um, so, but,
1: but they mentioned eggs. I, yeah, I There's don't know no that. way to do an egg I think that's in just, a lab. <laughs>
0: r- right, but I mean, you know, without sac- – I think that's just part of their – Without killing the embryos right, or right. something
1: to – like yeah. the, the starter culture.
0: Yeah. So uh, you know. So yes, vegetarians, and it'd be interesting to see how many vegetarians would stop being vegetarians mm-hmm. if they knew that their their meat was animal cruelty free. Yeah. Um, I
1: personally, there's a lot to sell it. I mean, yeah. uh, I still have that visceral reaction. Yeah. Like, Ooh, in a lab, That just seems.
0: And they they definitely re- really have to odd. Get, they definitely have to get some clever marketing people behind yeah. it. Yeah. Um, because you know scientists aren't the best at uh, <laughs> at coming up with the, you know the marketing portion of it, but I, I I think this is my prediction. I think this is probably down the road, and I think it it, it will probably have uh, a big hump to get over before people accept it. But you know, once they do, I think it will rapidly take off.
1: Yeah. Um, um, have Have you incidentally? Well, I think you you've been on i nInety. Have you gone through Ellensburg? Uh, i'm sure i have at some point or another yeah Yeah, because they have huge stockyards there and if the wind is just right it's really an awful smell oh yeah (laughs) and imagine when it's like states like kansas or uh oklahoma where there's just these huge stockyards it's kind of you know i'm not against eating meat but there is there is really something to say for you know preserving that land and Mm -hmm. uh you know uh not having to deal with all the manure and all the water because it really is water intensive. Yeah. I believe, but oh, I think yeah. you're right though. It, it would be a big cultural change, and I think the technology is not quite there. Yeah. So say five ten years, the technology is there. I bet it takes another five ten years to get kind of a, a general acceptance. Yeah, yeah. I, I or maybe that's probably longer, good. but that's kind of my. You know, I think that's probably a, a good
0: while. timeline. I think I think the technology is maybe a couple years away. Um, but the the acceptance of it is probably about five years away that yeah. 's my guess, and you know a, a friend of mine a uh, friend of ours um, he brought up another aspect of it that that I think is a, a bonus he says the the better they get at this this meat producing technology that 's a closer step towards um, producing lab-grown uh, organ replacements or skin replacements for, for, you know, for human beings.
1: So all you alcoholics, no need to quit drinking. You can <laughs> get a new liver here pretty soon. <laughs> and on a personal uh, – and I've read a story about this uh, fairly recently that they're, they're culturing gums, and I yeah. have receding gums, unfortunately. So that would be <laughs> awesome yeah. for me because I don't want to lose my teeth any earlier than I need to. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of applications for this type of technology. Can really be beneficial for uh, human health
0: so eat space age lab grown meat <laughs> um and you know it's, it's, we're on the subject of where, this seems to be kind of a theme um in our shows as well as kind of these like earth saving technologies or these kind of promising technologies and uh, i'll let greg take over for the next one you want to talk about the co2
1: yeah i saw this one just recently on uh, one of my favorite websites uh, it's political but he has a lot of um Interesting scientific uh, stories. And this story uh, at first caught my interest because I thought it was about, you know, reducing CO2 in the atmosphere. But it's more of a replacement for oil uh, using CO2, which would be huge. It would be uh, – because, you know, oil is obviously such a big issue, you know, environmental and geopolitical and possible global warming uh, implications. So I'm going to just read a couple sections of this. Um when exposed to the elements, the surface of copper turns green because it reacts with oxygen. But now scientists have discovered a copper-based material with a surprising property. It reacts with carbon dioxide in air rather than oxygen. Though the reaction is not a practical way to remove large quantities of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, it does provide an alternative new route using a cheap non-petroleum feedstock to make useful, useful chemicals. And i got to read this next section just because of the name of this thing. <laughs> Dilithium crystals. Crystals of <laughs> dilithium oxalate, white strands, forming a solution containing... Can, can I interrupt here for a second? Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's that's You know that's a particular interest to Greg um, as a Star Trek. Star Trek fans will know dilithium.
1: Yeah, it's the heart of the warp reactor that <laughs> enables faster than uh, light travel. <laughs> so anyway, I just had to say dilithium crystals. And anyway, so this is a fascinating – to me, this would be awesome because um, I'm not really such a – we're both kind of agnostic on the global warming. I'm probably a little more skeptical than him. But energy is such a big issue for our country and probably you know the whole Western world, and we're so reliant on countries like Saudi Arabia and Iran who are not very stable countries, and they have cultures that are really antithetical to – Western culture, and it'd just be nice to kind of diversify away from that. And you know, a lot of people do believe in global warming, so that'd be another great reason to get away from. And, uh, and I will say, just to, to interrupt again, too,
0: like um, one of, one of my, you know, whatever you believe about global warming, one of the 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 issue that I have with it is this whole the whole debate about global warming. I think has taken focus away from the idea of pollution. Yeah. And, and that that's something I think has been kind of forgotten in this whole mix. Yeah. When you burn petroleum,
1: yeah. not only do you release CO2, but yeah. there's nitrous oxides yeah. and uh, some other stuff, I think. Yeah. yeah. So uh, cars are becoming a lot cleaner. But still, you yeah. do get pollutants besides CO2, which, obvi- yeah, everyone can agree yeah. that, hey, you know, we want to reduce our pollutants. So that's it. I'll let you get back to the article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just going to go through this really quickly. Um The scientist notes that the material is a long way from commercial applications. For one thing, it is very slow. It takes an hour to do each cycle. So it's unlikely that the process, or indeed any other process, for turning carbon dioxide into commodity chemicals will significantly reduce atmospheric levels of carbon dioxide. Even the process can be made much faster, and if expensive lithium salts can be replaced with sodium to reduce costs, there's not enough demand for such chemicals to make a dent in carbon dioxide levels. So what they're saying there, basically, this is not a way to pull CO2 from the atmosphere in a in a large degree. If CO2 is creating global warming, this isn't the solution, but it does lead to the potential technology that we won't need to burn any more petroleum or use petroleum for, um, you know, the chemicals like plastics and all these other things. So – we would be able to get away from petroleum um i don't think they say here if it can actually become a fuel i imagine it could yeah um but so it's very interesting unfortunately it's still ways off but it would be such a good benefit to the planet basically to be able to diversify away from oil and uh this whole topic of alternative energy is very interesting to andy and i and even though you know like i said i'm Pretty skeptical on the global warming, Andy's not quite as skeptical. But there's plenty of other reasons to be interested in uh, this sort of thing. You know, less pollution, more energy independence, um, and just, you know, it would benefit the economy, a a cheap energy source. So anyway, that's going to be – and it has been. Have we talked about this before? Yeah, I I think we've talked about – we've talked about some, yeah. So this is just fascinating. And uh, we were going to talk – well, we are going to talk a little bit about this company a few years ago. I brought to Andy's attention called Changing World Technologies.
0: No, you didn't. I read about it in Discover
1: Magazine. Oh, I thought I, I – I, I, <laughs> I think
0: you found, the, you found the company, but no, I read it, the turkey okay. gets the oil thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Andy corrects me.
1: He likes to correct me on this podcast, doesn't he? I guess I'm wrong so frequently. But anyway, uh, we were both fascinated by this idea. I think it was around 07 or 06 it was becoming big, and they had a plant going. And what they do – what they? I guess they're not doing it anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. But they would use. They built a plant right next to a turkey processor. Right. And uh, they could throw any carbon-based uh, material into their vat, chew it up, and process it, and come out with oil on the other end, and water, and I think uh, carbon, just plain carbon. Carbon, right? Yeah. And and the, not only did it create some fuel, some oil, it would uh, sterilize the the organic material so you're not gonna have any viruses or bacteria they they don't survive the it's a very i think it was a a fairly an energy or it's a very thermal process pressure and thermal process it
0: it kind of mimics it it, it mimics the uh, way they believe that uh, oil is created by like heat and pressure and it was an innovative it's kind of a it's a little bit too long to go and i forget some of the technological details but it um the other the, – the thing that I thought was really promising about it too is it wasn't just like, for example, turkey carcasses. You could, you, you could run sewage through there. You could run uh, – Pig even, waste. Pig waste. Uh, tire, tires. Tires, plastics. Yep. Um, so Pretty be, much any
1: carbon-based material.
0: Yeah. Um, and we, we bring this up because it was such a promising idea, and, it, and it's not like there was any part of the idea or the proof of concept that failed – like they actually had small-scale uh, processing units that they they proved they did the proof yeah, of concept they had, with. Yeah,
1: uh, they had a production unit. I think it was Carthage, Missouri, outside the turkey, the Conagra turkey plant there. Yeah, and unfortunately, we looked it up to say you know we wanted to talk about it, and it looks like they're filed for Chapter 11. Yes, yeah, so, so for some reason this failed. I mean, do you have a? I, I'm kind of I'm kind of at a loss. What do you What do you think failed about this, Greg? Do you have an uh, idea? Yeah, well, it, it, we're, we're both kind of disappointed. Um, I think it must have something to do with the economics. It's got to be the economics. Um, and I think there's complaints about the odor. They right. hadn't completely yeah, solved yeah. the odor problem. So it's
0: a not-in-my-backyard sort of yeah, thing. It's yeah, it's almost
1: like having a sewage plant. And, you know, we have sewage plants, but it must have been worse or or something. And I,
0: I do you think I, I also wonder, too, if it's one of those things where it, it just – the initial startup cost was just too prohibitive, maybe? I think
1: that was part of it. And, um yeah, and, you know, oil is down to about $75 a barrel now. Yeah. Maybe – a lot of this is economics. Maybe yeah. it's not cost-effective until oil hits $100 again. Right, a right, right. And oil always fluctuates. Yeah. So I, I, that might be part. We're kind of speculating here. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, – w- I read on Wikipedia just before we, we started. Uh, they had won some award. I mean, this technology was recognized. Yeah. So – and they are reorganizing, so I uh, hope they uh, – you know, come through. And, Cause, oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. are well, I was just going to say, as we said, you know, not only does it produce oil, which is beneficial, and you're not pulling, you're not putting extra CO two in the atmosphere because it's all from CO two already in the atmos- in the biosphere, the you know, the land and water and everything. But it it, it could sterilize things. I yeah. mean, you put that because those pig farms have these huge, oh, awful they pull vats of, yeah. of crap. Yeah. To be literal about it, yeah. and they could they could. Purify that and process that and get oil and and useful things instead of dumping it into the water supply. Yeah, which is what they do yeah. now. Yeah, I'm,
0: yeah. Is that how? I'm not sure. How yeah, that they they, deal they think uh, pig waste is one of the things that causes the algae
1: bloom uh, that that they see in the oceans and stuff. Now, oh, yeah. So so there, besides the oil, the energy issue, but the energy thing is where they make their money. Yeah. They're not going to make money sterilizing all this stuff no. cuz we're not too worried about it. But so I guess the reason we brought this up is it's kind of
0: like good news bad news thing. The bad news is it's like it's it's sad that this very promising proven technology just seems to have died on the vine. We're not quite sure it's dead yet, but it, it seems to die on the vine. And the good news is that there is workable um technology that, that's you know very promising towards Preventing pollution, energy, alternative energy, that sort of thing. And I kind of think that with stuff like this, sometimes it's not the first guys out of the gate. A lot of times it's the second or third people. And there, there's other people that are working on I've, – I've read – I can't think of it right now. But there there's other um, – uh, corporations and entities that are working on very similar processes, um, and maybe one of them will be successful.
1: Yeah, let's hope so. And there's so many tech, like we we're talking about, technologies just kind of exploding. Uh, I like watching the solar and solar efficiency, solar cell efficiency to turn solar energy into electricity is increasing very rapidly. And uh, I read a prediction at the uh, new year that at the rate it's improving efficiency by the end of this decade. This new decade we're in, solar may solve all our problems. So, I mean, who knows which technology will win? But I yeah. think we're I think we're at a very interesting time, and I think something's going to happen here. Yeah. I really do. Oh, why bother? The Mayan calendar ends in
0: 2012.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's a couple years. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, anyways, that, that's pretty much the end of the show. We're going to talk about. Um, we've got some upcoming stuff. That we're going to do more interviews. So. Uh, I'm lining some stuff up. Uh, One exciting thing that we have uh, down the road potentially is a ghost hunt. Uh, Greg and I won't be doing it, but um, we'll be connected to it. And I still have some details to iron out, but there's a place in Seattle that seems to – it's an old building. And it seems to have some activity from what I've heard from some people. And I'm going to talk to uh, somebody local who does uh, ghost hunting, or I have talked to them, and they're they're very interested in it. And, and hopefully Greg and I, I don't know if we'll be walking around with our microphones doing it or we'll be interviewing the uh, folks afterwards, but we'll be involved in some
1: way or another. So we're hoping for a... a... Uh, capturing a goat <laughs> we've devised the uh, positronic uh <laughs> capture device don't, don't cross the streams <laughs> so no, that we're kidding <laughs>
0: but uh uh let's see what and we we've there's an interview um a couple interviews that are that yeah hopefully we're uh, on.
1: i have a f- acquaintance who uh is an alternative energy so we're going to try to contact this person and see if he'll be willing to sit down with us for a for a half an hour or so about the, the work he's doing so we could talk to someone who's really involved yeah. so we'll, we'll see how that goes really involved and more interesting than the two yeah. who knows the real world and a uh, quick thing um andy mentioned one or two of you guys are uh, mac users oh, and yeah. i'm going to update the website to include um, ex more explicit instructions for downloading uh the podcasts for macs so uh, you know so sorry about that we kind of overlooked that <laughs> but um yeah, I don't have a Mac. I have a PC so and I'm doing the website work so. He's one of those. Yeah. Well, I get paid for it so. <laughs> so anyway, we will uh get some more explicit, more clear instructions hopefully for the uh Mac users among our listeners. And, and all all 20 of them. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so that's it. Uh,
0: uh, once again, we're going to have some interviews in the future, so you don't have to listen to just us. But it's been fun, and it won't be uh, this long in the future. We'll get on it with a podcast will be coming up soon, and we will talk
1: to you then. That's all from the bunker.